and welcome to another episode of Let's Be Honest with me, George. And me, Ellie. And our guest speaker, Jenna. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, Jenna. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Thanks for being here. All the queers in one place. (laughs) Um, So Jenna is, um, well, how would you describe yourself, Jenna? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you could do a good job of it, George, but um, I describe myself as a queer woman. I'm based in Scotland and I, yeah, that's it. I'm a queer woman. I mean, it's my entire identity. It's all that I am. I have other (laughs) hobbies too, I promise. Uh, My day job, I am a diversity and inclusion professional and in my side hustle, I have an LGBT travel blog. So yeah, all all that I do is queer. Yeah, that's what we're very much looking forward to diving into your queer lifestyle, <laughs> and we, we can vicariously live through you and uh, find out more about this travel, the queer travel blog that you write. So before we get into it, um, shall we kick off with what made us gay this week? Ellie, do you want to start us? I think what made me gay this week, George, is actually working with you and seeing you in the flesh. You made my heart flutter <laughs> getting oh, to work with you again. It's been it's been over a year, is it not? I think yeah. since I've seen you. It's been quite a while. Put a lot of weight on. <laughs> I'd say that was what made me feel gay this week as well. Also, uh, the cute present that Jen had made, Jade and I. It was a cute little. In fact, I'm going to put it on the Instagram. Funny story, we were cleaning out my mum's shed last year and Jen found some rope and was like, can I have this? And I was like, knock yourself out. So um, she made it with some leftover rope from from the garden shed. And uh, my sister had actually bought a a kit to make a rainbow with these colours. And uh, so she made a big one for us and with the leftover, she used it to make two mini ones. So one for you and one for my mum, but she doesn't know about it yet. (laughs) Surprise! Oh, that's so cute. Well, I've put mine in the car, so now my car is fully just like anyone who does doesn't know now knows that we're big lesbians. So that's good. Um, but yeah, that was what made me gay. And also, actually, um, just to intertwine with what we're talking about today, um, we're going to Copenhagen in not next week, like some at some point in February. And uh, one of my favorite things to do before we go traveling is I'm sure you're the same, Jenna, is uh, look at all the like gay places or any gay bars. So that has made me feel super gay and excited about going because it literally looks so gay friendly. And like, I'm just so up for it. That's what I'm here for. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but if anyone does it right, it's the Scandinavians. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. The most <laughs> queer inclusive <laughs> places in the world, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. What about you, Jenna? What made you go this week? Honestly, I've waited so long to be asked this question. I have to say that it's got to be being on the podcast. Longtime <laughs> fan, big listener. <laughs> And every week when you ask the question and I'm listening, I always answer it to myself. It's like, what made me gay this week? And I have to say that this week has got to be speaking to you guys live and being on my favourite queer podcast. (laughs) Very happy to hear that. Yeah, how long we've waited to hear that (laughs) from someone. (laughs) 
we have a fan (laughs) big fan well we very much appreciate it so can I can I ask and kick us off with um how how you got into uh writing uh, your travel writing Sure. Yeah. So I actually started my travel blog. Um, it's called The Genoa, small plug. Um, and I started it years ago before I'd even come out um, because I loved traveling solo. I was single at the time. I did not know I was queer. Um, and I did a lot of solo traveling. And it was something I got a lot of comments about, like, how do you travel solo as a woman? Do you feel safe? And so I started to write on, I created a website, created the blog, um, and started to write about traveling solo to encourage, encourage other women to travel solo. Um, and then in, I want to say about 2016, I probably started the blog in like 2014, built it up with lots of solo travel tips um, and solo travel stories. And then around 2016, I came out first to myself and then, you know, slowly to the rest of the world. <laughs> Um, and over time really just built a community of um, other LGBTQ plus travelers and then really started to lean into talking about what it's like to travel um, as someone who identifies as LGBTQ plus Um, and then I met my partner and so very much no longer solo travel (laughs) and so that niche was kind of out for me and really pivoted to to speaking about um, traveling as a queer woman and then sometimes I don't talk about travel I just talk about other things that are gay um so yeah it was a journey but it's not how it started out it very much has evolved over the years into into what it is now that's amazing though it's so nice to hear because like I must say like obviously Jenna and I know each other through um Kirsten which is actually through Jade technically but anyway <laughs> it's a long <laughs> long line of lesbians um and um, but it's, it's nice I feel like we need to get the chart out <laughs> the lesbian family tree <laughs> um so do you think do you think your Instagram account helped you in a way come out especially when you weren't out to kind of maybe other people it was a way of channeling all of that yes 100 percent I think um when I was sort of venturing into the world of Instagram and like I do have a blog and the website and then you know the associated Instagram page with it um when I was venturing into starting to speak about my identity there before I even shared my own story I would just spend hours on YouTube and Instagram just watching the content of other queer women because I think that that's such important representation and so when I started to find my own voice and tell my own story I then wanted to be the representation that I had found so valuable. Scotland's a small place, right? And there's not that many spaces to meet other queer folk. And so I found such a safe space on the internet. I mean, it, everything your parents tell you not to do, you know, making friends with people on, online. But it was for me such a source of community and such a source of support. And I found other people who looked like me, who thought, you know in the same way that I did who loved the same way I did and that for me was so empowering not only to see those people but to meet those people who have ultimately become like real life friends we've met up in person now um and that community online definitely encouraged me to share my own story as well if it's okay to ask about your coming out did you come out like when you were traveling or was it like you know was it through life experience in that way 
of like meeting people and having a connection with someone interesting I think there's so much of my coming out story that is intertwined with travel because I've done so much of it so my first experience um of like exploring my identity um was when I was um working at camp in America which is very similar to George's story and so that was when I was abroad and I do think that there's something about being abroad being away from home that creates almost a bit more of a safe space where you can explore your identity a little bit more judgment-free there's none of the sort of expectations of the people around you who know you so you can almost like reinvent yourself or explore different parts of yourself without you know your childhood friends and the people that have known you for years and years uh, you know playing into that and so that was my first kind of experience of exploring my identity and then not soon after that I moved to Vietnam and I lived in Vietnam for six months and I think again it was an opportunity where I was in a completely foreign part of the world meeting people that had no idea who I was and so when I landed in Vietnam I had barely come out to anyone at home nobody really knew minus my you know best friend I decided to just come out to everyone like really early on when I got to Vietnam I think I knew people for like a week and then I was like it was that that kind of decision making point of well I either you know continue how I've been at home where I've kept this in or I just think screw it I'll I'll just tell people because literally nobody here knows me and so on a slightly drunken night after one too many um Saigon beers um I <laughs> started to come out to people that was such an experience because I got to almost have this six months where I lived you know and explored like the language that I was using and just everything about how I felt without all the pressures of home and so I do think I think it would have happened inevitably but I think that being abroad and having that kind of foreign environment is quite helpful for me exploring that exactly and then I suppose just being being quite upfront with people especially because I feel like when when you're I mean I don't have much experience in traveling myself but like on this type of in our industry you meet people and form relationships very very fast and I feel like it would be very similar when you're traveling when you go to like hostels and things you you kind of make a judgment about people and you're like yep you're cool I'm gonna hang out with you and you form that bond and you kind of just there's no inhibitions you just want to like be yourself so it's like oh like me (laughs) you know get on with me um but at the same time a little bit terrifying because you're like I'm on the other side of the world with absolutely no support network so if I come out to this person who's a potential friend and the only person I've met and they have a horrendous reaction to this I'm going to be left with zero people um and so I think it was like you know spend a bit of time getting to know people a little bit made the judgment call of I think they're going to be okay with it and then coming out because that was it was a gamble but it was a gamble that paid off for sure (laughs) it's mad like when you are so far away and you just I think especially when you're younger and you're just kind of like well actually you probably like I was very similar where I I think I struggled with it a lot uh like in my teen my late teens and then I went to camp and that was the first place where like literally within days I was just like oh yeah, I'm gay. And that was like the first time that I'd actually said, oh, I'm gay. And like, I came out to someone who I didn't really know. And then from there, I just got so much more confidence by being gay. And and you're surrounded by people, okay, that you've literally known a week, but for some reason, it's so empowering. And like, I think just because you're so far away from what is your reality, where you are then creating your own reality. 
And it all, it was like that weird thing of you were in this bubble. And like, I remember even having conversations with Jade where it's like, oh God, like we're gonna have to go back and you've got to, we've got to face the music and we've got to tell people, we've got to tell our parents. And, and then you're just like, okay, let's just not even think about it. Let's just live in this kind of, almost like a false reality, but it- Yeah, it's like, like you get a practice run. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Before you've got to do it to the people that like really, really matter. Yeah. It's not that it's not that friends when you're traveling don't matter, but they're, they're usually people you've known for a few months rather than your entire life. What's been your favorite place to travel to? So if I'm thinking about queer friendly destinations, I'm thinking most people listening to this podcast, if not everyone, is probably interested in those. Um, and they're probably some of my favourites anyway, because I think that that feeling of being one, travelling and abroad, and two, feeling comfortable to be your complete self and just like relax and let go, does make for such incredible travel experiences. Um, and so for me, there's two, two that completely top the list. The first one being Thailand. Thailand was phenomenal for being just like super inclusive um, the Thai tourism board um, and there's an organization there's a Thailand symposium that's specifically dedicated to encouraging LGBTQ plus travel in Thailand and so they, they've taken some pretty active steps to be an inclusive destination um, and then also Thailand is just stunning and the scuba diving there is amazing and the beaches are amazing and the food is phenomenal um, and I would go back to Thailand in a heartbeat. So that that for me is number one. And joint number one is um, Sweden and specifically Stockholm. Again, Stockholm have just put so much energy into promoting themselves as um, an inclusive place to be. Um, they use the hashtag open city and they mean it. It is incredible. Just everything from like gender neutral clothing stores, just like, you know, lining the streets, they actually have a gender neutral like fragrance store where all of the, I would say perfumes or fragrances were named after like experiences rather than like for her, for him, which I love. Gender neutral bathrooms everywhere. So I think for me, Stockholm went beyond just being like gay friendly or lesbian friendly to LGBTQ plus friendly. Like they really are all encompassing and they mean it when they say that they're welcoming so yeah that was a really long answer but I feel very passionately about Stockholm and Thailand being top tier queer destinations to visit for sure. You've also missed in Stockholm Jenna that it's so queer friendly because the ABBA museum is there. They do also have an ABBA museum you're right and I came away with a rainbow ABBA t-shirt um so I'm not sure what more you could want. <laughs> yeah. Ellie, you need to go it is the best museum I've ever been to. I mean, it yeah. technically actually sounds a bit like my worst nightmare, but Jen's absolute dream. So I feel oh, well. like if she does listen to this episode, she'll be like, she'll be on like Google trying to trying to book us flights like then and then. Um, I must be the only person to not actually enjoy ABBA, but I, I'm sorry to say I don't. <laughs> but I think, Ellie. I think. You've gone down in my expectations. <laughs> but you know what? I do catch myself singing along to it. So I think it's because my mum uh, yeah. says that she never liked ABBA. So I was like, well, my mum doesn't like ABBA. I don't like ABBA. And actually, I think I think I kind of do. <laughs> and they've got a good tube station there as well, haven't they? They do. They have a rainbow mural. So part of an art installation in Stockholm was, I guess, because it's a, a city that Okay, whilst it is brilliant, it also is cold and dark quite a lot of the year. Um, and so they had this art ins exhibition or installation where they had loads of local artists 
decorate all the subway stations so instead of when you're on the underground subway just going through tunnels of grey concrete every subway station is like stunning painted murals like street art is incredible but one of them is painted as a rainbow and so it's like I mean you can't go there and not take a hundred photos at the rainbow mural in Stockholm it's um it's a must I just had a thought you know what you should do you in particular Jenna on your blog <laughs> and we can help as a collective we should make a bucket list for like LGBT travelers like from all around the world and that would definitely be on the bucket list or one of them scratch yeah. things you know where you have to scratch off when you've that. done it <laughs> a queer travel bucket list that's a great shout you know vlog coming soon just watch this space that's not what I thought you were going to go with that I thought you were going to be like oh let's try and um like make a, a map of where you can find all the rainbows and then you get your picture taken and make it like a photo opportunity once again you know? yeah hey, I mean you're on something there as well Ellie. <laughs> I guess as well like obviously you know you've traveled a lot abroad but I must admit that um I think Scotland is actually so um LGBTQ inc- uh, inclusive and one of a very very especially like Edinburgh I, I've not really spent much time in Glasgow but Ellie I'm sure you can vouch for this like I feel very safe and open to be kind of well open about my sexuality and with my partner um, which again anyone listening like to travel to Scotland as well like it, within the UK especially now with Covid I guess a lot of people are doing more like UK uh, breaks but I, I mean I mean you guys have probably traveled Scotland as well what have your experience? Yeah we um, we also did the most lesbian thing you could possibly do and bought a camper van um, to <laughs> convert in lockdown and so we've done a lot of traveling in Scotland in our DIY converted camper van. <laughs> <laughs> Peak lesbian, like and peak lesbian. And if there's one thing I'm proud of of the year 2020, not only did we build the van, but we've also got the Instagram homos on wheels. Um, why nobody had done that before? I beyond me, but that's where that's our camper. And yeah, you're just gaining even more lesbian points. Like they're just going up exactly. and up. Exactly. It's, it's not what made you gay this week. It's what made yeah. you gay forever. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, I don't know, Ellie, have you done much travel ac- across Scotland? You'd like to do the classic lesbian thing of climbing Munros, so. Well, <laughs> yes, I mean, I do have a scratch the map of the Munros, but I've only done one so far, so I've got 281 <laughs> to go. But I mean, that's because we bought it before COVID, two years ago, thinking we're going to make a start. My mum likes climbing them. She's bagged like almost 200. And so I was like feeling inspired. I was like, me and Jen are going to do it together lockdown happened and we're like fucking hell <laughs> like we're never gonna get this started um so we managed to do one and then we've had to put it on the back burner but we've managed to do like traveling around Scotland because of our, all of our staycations and things and actually we've been staying at B&Bs and Airbnbs um but you know actually the, the B&Bs themselves have been very welcoming um with people who are asking you know you know, Jen's obviously booking for two and they're asking when they find out that I'm a female, they're like, oh, do you want a double bed or a double room? And we're like, mm, double bed's fine. <laughs> yeah, like we can we can manage that. Thank you. But actually, they're yeah. super cool and um, they're they're quite happy with us being there. We've never been we've never had a negative experience. 
Um, so you'd never had the Airbnb like burnt down because they found out lesbians were in there. <laughs> just like, <laughs> get out. <laughs> no, but I do like to ask Jen, like I'll walk in with like my hiking boots and my backpack and stuff and I'm like with my um, lesbian coloured hat and I'm like, do you think they know? And Jen's like, are you joking? Have you seen yourself? <laughs> I was going to say, Jenna, so in terms of like where you've travelled and that, where would you say, I, I mean... Have you had any bad experiences, but equally then let's balance that out with good experiences as well in different yeah, countries? Sure. I don't think I would say we've had a negative experience anywhere, but I think there is a different level of how out I am in different destinations. And I think that sometimes that's, you know, from a perspective of safety and sometimes that's just being respectful of like culture as well so like if I take Morocco for example had a phenomenal time in Morocco would highly recommend traveling there but public displays of affection whether you are gay or straight regardless of what um you know couple you're in that's not socially acceptable and so whilst we were in Morocco we very much did not hold hands in the street you know we kept our relationship quite like actually very private you know when we were anywhere um we wouldn't like let on that we were a couple because I think it's quite normal for two girls who are friends to be traveling and so it was never actually really questioned um and then we took extra steps and I would say it just depending on where you're going you might take extra steps to stay safe and so a couple of things we did in Morocco that I wouldn't have necessarily done in like Sweden um we booked a Riyadh which is like the sort of traditional accommodation in Marrakesh um we booked it with an internationally owned Riyadh and that was something that I'd read online as like a different you know way of staying safe so actually the Riyadh we stayed in was owned by a friend family rather than by locals and usually I'm very much about support the locals but this is somewhere where I think you have to make those balances of you know to what extent am I gonna you know prioritize my own safety and feeling comfortable over you know supporting local and things like that so that was something we did and also when we were in Tangier also in Morocco we actually stayed in a Hilton and again you know giant corporation <laughs> but Hilton go above and beyond when it comes to inclusion and diversity and creating like you know safe spaces in their hotels it, it's you know it's embedded in their brand and in how their staff are trained and things like that and so we're like we're going to be in a destination where we don't necessarily feel as safe as an LGBT couple, we're going to stay somewhere where we know we can check in at reception, that we're going to be welcomed, we're not going to have a hassle, and we're going to have, you know, like a secure room in a nice space, um, and actually it's somewhere we can come back to, so if we're walking around the city and we don't feel safe, we know we're going to have a nice room that we can just go hang out in and play Monopoly Deal, which is what we do for 99% of our holidays anyway, so I think, I wouldn't say that we've ever had a negative experience, and I'm super privileged and grateful to be able to say that but I think that some of that comes down to taking those extra steps and precautions before going somewhere in order to kind of prevent that where possible yeah. obviously it's not always and that's really interesting I think yeah. I think I I would say that we're the same as well like we've I guess we've traveled a bit but like it's more a lot of the time it's more as you mentioned about like hotel staff being trained like just them being trained to be able to deal with like if two girls have booked a double bedroom not asking them not putting them in a twin room just without asking and, and it's just things like that where it's like well it just it's just extra training and because um, I think I spoke about this once before on, on the podcast about the hotel in London which is ironic because it's in London 
Um, but again, that was just because this guy, he'd obviously never come across, <laughs> I don't know, two girls booking into a double bed. And so the only reason we said something to his manager was, and we said, we don't want him to get in trouble, but we just think even just putting extra training in to like inclusive language and things like that will, will help future couples and things. So, but that's really interesting as well, what you're saying about like actually researching the country before you go, just checking as well, like, because I know when we were, we went to the Philippines and uh, not the Philippines, uh, Malaysia. And that there, it was like, you could get 80 lashings or something for being gay. So I was like, fucking hell, like, <laughs> I'm not leaving this room. <laughs> I'm not going out. But actually when you were there, we met quite a few Malay gay people. And, um, but it is just being, I guess, aware of that. Like not everywhere is as inclusive as, where we where we come from like yeah. Scotland and England so I know and it's interesting yeah. you say that because like yeah, you have that positive experience in a country where you don't think it necessarily would have been and then on the flip side you've had a negative experience in London where you would assume it is and I think that that just drills home that message of you can't judge a country or a culture by the policies that are in place or the you know the government that runs it because it's so much more than that and there's queer people in every single corner of the world and so it's important to still for me anyway, and I think that's a very personal decision and I wouldn't ever say one way or the other. I personally take the opinion of it's important for me to visit everywhere in the world and I'm not going to have my queer identity stop me. I've also got the privilege of being a femme white woman and so, you know, it's quite easy to conceal that and to take steps like what we did in Morocco to just blend in and that's not, that's not an option for everyone. So I think it's a very personal decision, but there are queer people everywhere in the world and sometimes actually going to those lesser known places and you know like you said meeting people who are local you you become that representation that they might not have as as common um or see as frequently so yeah it's it's such a tough one i think you could you could write a dissertation on whether or not you should go to countries that don't support lgbt rights because you know on the flip side you're giving your your tourist money to a government or you know to an industry that's not as inclusive where you've got countries like Thailand and Stockholm who are doing the most to um, welcome people so yeah. it's a tough one. Yeah for sure and like it's like what you're saying about um, it doesn't matter like what sexuality you are with public displays of affection you've kind of got to just be aware and have your wits about you and kind of follow those rules which is fine it's not it's not impossible to not hold your partner's hand, you know? So like Jen and I did that when we went to visit um, Budapest because I didn't actually know that it wasn't actually like that acceptable, like socially or publicly acceptable. Um, and so I was a bit kind of grumpy about it. I was like, but I want to hold your hand. We're on holiday and I want to enjoy myself. And she's like, just be cool, okay? Just like, I don't want to touch your sweaty hand anyway. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I was like, fine. <laughs> so it's like walking side by side. But actually I do remember a time when... Um, there was uh, two guys had passed us on one of those um, scooters, not like a, a motorized scooter, but you know, like a an electric. Scooter. A lime, my God, my like favorite things in the world. Yeah, yeah. Lime scooters. So like one of those scooters. And so there was two of them on it and they were holding, kind of like one had their hands on top of the other guy's hands. And so they came past us and I was like, look, it's fine. There's two gays on that one. And then, <laughs> and then actually, people literally stopped and turned and were staring at them and I was like oh maybe that's not okay okay it's good to know like what people's reaction to people you know or like what seemed to me like that was gay <laughs> you know going past me on a scooter 
Um, <laughs> but then also talking about the representation as well that you said before. Now, this is a completely different, but when Jen and I went to go and visit Sky, the Isle of Sky, earlier this uh, last year, and um, we got talking to this young girl who was uh, in the cafe, and she was like, it was a family-run business, and she she I was wearing a T-shirt that had um, two hands and rainbow color holding hands right we're in this t-shirt she's like are you are you gay you know kind of asking if we're together and I was like yeah yeah we're together we're we're girlfriends and she's like oh do you know we just we just I don't see that we just don't see it she's like I'm queer but I don't see anyone gay on the island and she, she was so excited I think I maybe mentioned this before but it was um it was so nice to like feel like she was happy to ask us these questions and like she wasn't afraid to ask you know and she was only young she was only like a teenager but I was just like yes we're here for you so nice. yeah. Yeah. so it doesn't like say any corner of the world like top of Scotland <laughs> you know yeah really brings us back full circle to like the power of the internet as well and I think that that's where especially if you're somewhere that's more remote like there's so much you know power in being like visible online and being that representation I mean this podcast is that as well like you know you can listen to this from anywhere in the world and you know you might not have a community around you in person but you've still got that community and I think that's such that's something that's so powerful about the queer community is that it is like one big family because everybody has this one sort of shared common experience and you know whilst it's it's so diverse within the community itself with that common experience everyone's like you immediately got that bond um and I think the internet for all its flaws and social media for its many 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 flaws is <laughs> so powerful for representation and community and for meeting people just on just on that um about the community as well I think for me I know that I always bang on about pride but I also I think that is another reason why pride is so important because there are so many people that probably can't be like out and loud in their own country. So like just having that ability to go out to, on the street, even just wearing the rainbow flag, like, and it's almost like you are that representation for those people that can't do that as well. Interestingly that you talk about Budapest, uh, Ellie, because uh, Kirsten, Jenna's partner lived in Budapest and worked there for a a year two years year yeah thanks to COVID she's home the one good thing that came from COVID um and didn't you you guys went to Pride in Budapest yeah we went to Budapest Pride yeah I had one summer where I traveled to like five different prides and it was the most marvelous summer of my life yeah um and then COVID hit and because I, I was like I'm doing this every year I'm gonna do a European tour of Pride um and yeah we went to Budapest Pride and interestingly the weekend before we were in Barcelona so I flew from like Edinburgh to Barcelona I went to Barcelona Pride then we flew to Budapest and then did Budapest Pride the following weekend and to see the very stark contrast between the two prides because two very different cities for in terms of like how overtly inclusive they are and how like you know how the LGBT community is there was really interesting um the year that we went to Budapest Pride was the first year that the security fences almost flipped it I don't know how to explain it but basically every year before then there was like the fences to keep the pride parade in and then like police were kind of guarding it whereas the year that we went was the first year where the fences were there to keep the protesters out and I know that that seems like a really subtle flip but it was that flip to like actually know the pride event is the main thing that's happening and the city have accepted that it's happening and this, this space is there for the pride march 
there's then cordoned off areas where the protesters can do their protesting. Um, and so there was still protesters, but I thought that that was a super interesting split of kind of progress is happening. It's slow, but there was, you know, the security was there to keep the pride parade safe that year versus, you know, keep it under control and um, however I've been previously. So yeah, it was there and there was a lot of large corporations at Budapest Pride, I would say. And that's a whole conversation in itself. I mean, you've already done the podcast on Pride um, and businesses at Pride, but I think that that's where companies can have a genuinely positive impact when, when you've got large international corporations in countries where it's less acceptable, them kind of putting their money behind it and saying, no, this is something we stand for. is like actually quite a positive way to try and shift the dial and put pressure on, you know, like the government that rely on their, you know, large offices and employment and all the things that happen. So yeah, I think it's actually, if there's a positive that can come from corporations being at Pride, it's situations like Budapest Pride where they bring, you know, staff in volume and they put money behind making it a really great event and a really positive space. So I think we've kind of covered, you know, obviously bad experiences, but also what is great is as what I love, like I've mentioned before, is when you do go to a place is seeing those rainbow flags, even in just like one window and you're like, oh, there's a little flag there, you know, and and for me, like that is being part of the community. And that is why I, I do love a lot of my identity is me being gay, because I think it is a community that is global. I think like, uh, was it in Madrid that we went? And it was, it's just so gay friendly there. Madrid is just like so many pride flags, and it, and it, just everywhere. Yeah, and it's so nice because you're like, I have something in common with these people who literally live so far away. We have a completely different culture, but actually I can come to this bar and we're outside just drinking so openly there's just rainbow flags surrounding us and for that uh, and I don't know if you guys feel the same but like it's just like actually no like that's what I love about traveling but also being part of a community and and as much as yeah obviously there are lots of countries where you have to be careful there are lots of countries where you can really embrace that and really get involved it does annoy me sometimes when people are like, oh, but you make so much of your identity about being gay. And it's like, but it that is, it is for, for me anyway. Um, it is a part of me. Do you have any advice for any queer people who are thinking about solo traveling or traveling with their partner? Yeah, that's, you know, that's like such an intersection of my identity that I struggled with at the start of like, how can I, because I do, I have occasionally taken, you know, trips by myself and my Instagram is very much not a couple but I'm like, I post, you know, the occasional picture, but I'm like solo in most of my photos and it's like, how can I be queer in my photos and how can I be visibly queer without kissing person in every photo? Because <laughs> that's the easiest way to show that you're traveling and you're queer, you know, like just having your partner in the photo. So that's, um, yeah, it's interesting to do that because I, I think, okay, so the advice for solo travel, I guess, regardless of your identity, um, I think that hostels are a great place, especially if you're, I guess it depends like how old you are and how comfortable you are with that and what your budget is. But I do think that staying in hostels is a really great way to meet people. Um, and even if you want to have a, a solo room, like you can get private rooms in hostels. There's generally still sort of shared communal spaces um, where you can 
meet other people if you're interested in meeting people um I'm quite anti-social I'll be honest like when I I always give that bit of advice I'm like when I travel solo it's because I really enjoy my own company and so I think it's okay if you want to travel solo and also just be by yourself and then just enjoy your own company um but I do think hostels are a nice a nice way of feeling a little bit less alone and there's people nearby if you needed anything you don't necessarily need to like you know go on the big nights out every night um um yeah I think there's also there's apps like you know not necessarily just for dating but there are apps where you can meet other queer people I would say her um and Bumble kind of come to mind like Tinder is very much you know Tinder's put itself in in the dating box we'll, we'll leave that one out but if you're a queer person you're traveling by yourself and you want to meet other queer people her and Bumble have settings where you can say you're just looking to meet friends um, and you know to meet up with other locals who are also queer it's not something that I've personally done again because I'm antisocial. but if you're someone that's traveling by yourself and you want to meet queer locals um again the internet is just such a wonderful place I'll just come back to it I just love the internet um so that would probably be some of some of my tips and I think just researching and um, you know before you go like George said like do a bit of research understand kind of hopefully what is and isn't appropriate what can you do to you know keep yourself a little bit safer um and making sure that someone at home always knows like where you're staying like I would never travel solo without sharing like here's my hotel that I'm staying at here's my flight times you know generally didn't get taxis when I traveled solo but if I did you know using uber and then sharing your location just like taking small steps like you don't have to be paranoid but just do you know like share your location and you know check in with people at home from time to time to make sure they know that you're safe as well and they know where you are for sure and have you met many like uh, queer people along the way for travel have you made friends for life while traveling well when I say I'm antisocial, I am quite antisocial. <laughs> you really um, <laughs> but I, what I will say is I have made friends online through being in the LGBT travel community that I have then met in person and would consider genuine friends so and there's a couple of people that I've sort of spoken to speeches so regularly now I'm like I would just consider them friends rather than like people on the internet um and so that for me has come through like that community um, and then I've met up with them most recently went to Stockholm um you know not another plug for Stockholm but <laughs> I was in Stockholm with a bunch of other queer travelers and that was like the most incredible experience I was in like one of the most queer friendly cities in the world with a group of like 12 other LGBT2 plus people who were also all bloggers, influencers, YouTubers, you know, doing that thing. And that for me was like such a an affirming experience of like, okay, this thing I'm doing online is actually, you know, it's something like there's other people doing it and it's worth it. And I learned so much from them and just like being in that community of other people doing the same thing was like so empowering for me. So yeah, for sure. I've made good friends. I'm not someone that's going to approach someone in the street and be like, you look queer, let's be friends, because that is not me. <laughs> that's a lot more me, to be fair. I'm not. If I see them standing by that rainbow mural and be like, hey, you want to hang out? <laughs> let's go to a cafe that has a yeah. rainbow in the window. <laughs> With our rainbow t-shirts yeah. on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> really being yeah. as subtle as I possibly yeah. can I mean, be. Yeah, that's one way. If you're an extrovert and you want to attract the attention, Wear the rainbow t-shirt yeah. and the rainbow hat and, you know, <laughs> carry your rainbow tankin backpack and... 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. But no, I think it's I think it's great what you guys do. Um, you know, I think it's it takes a lot to put your own kind of uh, opinions and things as well out there on on platforms like Instagram, especially for travel and and being gay. So I think it's in the world that we're in at the moment, like currently, it's just so useful. I think for people to have that at their fingertips and literally have people that look like them doing things that they want to do but are maybe a bit scared to do and then just finding those tips so easily Um, it's so powerful like our next trip that we're going on next month we're going to the Caribbean could not be more excited um but we literally were like okay where's hot in February Caribbean cool there's like so many different Caribbean islands and we went through each of them and we landed on booking the one where who you know lesbians travel to every single year and they post about it on it's you know two girls i you know consider friends or um 27 travels you maybe follow them um but they go every year to this caribbean island and talk about how great it is and it's like okay well if we've got to pick between these 15 different islands that all have beaches and all look broadly similar why would we not go to the one where these the queer couple have had a great time year after year and so i think that's what's so powerful about yeah sharing your experiences and it's not to say that just because one queer couple has a good experience you you are as well because there's there's so many you know diverse experiences within our community but it's a good start it's at least you're not starting with a blank slate exactly because I feel like you're more you're more inclined to to take that judgment and be like okay I'm going with that because I understand they are they had a safe experience or they had a, a positive experience and we're like say more likely to have that rather than run into any trouble anywhere else that hasn't been blogged about or spoken about or instagrammed about so um if you would like to follow jenna she's on the jenna way on instagram yeah um i'm the jenna way everywhere i'm (laughs) the jenna way on instagram the jennaway.com is my blog um I am the Genoway on TikTok, but I have to say that was really a COVID, you know, 1.0 lockdown project that has not <laughs> not had a lot of love since then. Homeless on Wheels, I'll give that one a shout out. Yep, it's not been updated in the last year because, you know, we've been busy actually building the van. Um, but you can catch us on Homeless on Wheels for all of our van conversion adventures as well. Amazing. I'm going to get Jen on that as soon as I sign off here and then she's going to get her tool built out and she'll be wanting to plan and measure in no time. Thanks so much Jenna for coming on. Uh, it's been so, it's really been in, really interesting even for me like uh, and learning how you got into it and and I'm sure Ellie will agree it's it's a great thing that you're doing so oh, keep doing thanks. it. Thanks for having me on my favourite podcast. And I, I rest assured I'll be coming to you first for recommendations when we are allowed to explore a little bit further than uh, past our front door. <laughs> well thanks for listening guys um, and I'm sure we'll be back next week with another great episode. Don't know what it'll be about but it'll be about something. <laughs> <laughs> it's so well planned every single week. Bye. Bye.